Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back to another terrific episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, and today we're going to talk about the mistakes you should avoid when you're homeschooling or unschooling your child, child children, whatever you got. Um, I didn't make it through everything I wanted to cover today, so it is going to be at least a three-part episode because I got a lot to say on this. (laughs) So (laughs) with that, let's dive in. Welcome to part two on how not to unschool. It's really just covering the mistakes that either I make, I see other people make, or theoretically we all could make, or just some thoughts of uh, stuff that we could all have slip our mind and just never really think about. So let's start off with stuff beyond academics here. Neglecting life skills education. Overlooking the importance of teaching practical life skills in favor of strictly academic subjects can leave children unprepared for real world challenges. Incorporating lessons on financial literacy, cooking, basic repairs, and time management can equip children with essential skills for independent living. I think this is one of the strongest arguments to unschool is because it's so practical. It's all about building life skills. It leaves the academics behind as the primary focus, at least. Now, a lot of people think because we unschool that we don't do have any academics at all. That's not true. It's just we don't force it. When they're into math, we do math. If they want to do a curriculum, which sometimes they do, we do a curriculum. And I think that this stops the children from hating math, hating reading, hating learning, hating whatever it might be. Because when you're forced to do something, you hate it. But when you're curious about something, you tend to love it. You tend to really get interested, right? That's what curiosity is. So we just lean into curiosity. And what is, what are children more curious about than life skills, how to be an adult. This is our human nature. At least this is what I believe. It's our human nature to want to learn how to be an adult when we're children. So we're learning from parents. We're learning from others. We're watching television or movies and just learning, 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 learning. That's why it's, you got to be careful what you let into your house. Uh, you want to set good examples. Um, you want to walk them through exactly what you're doing. And when you're unschooling, you can walk them through your entire day and they get to see how to be an adult. So be a good example. Next is ignoring the evolution of the job market and future skills. (laughs) So I'll read what I got here first and then I'm gonna dive into my little soapbox here. 
preparing children exclusively for traditional careers without considering the rapidly changing job market and the rise of freelancing entrepreneurship, amongst other things, can be short-sighted. Teaching entrepreneurial skills, digital literacy, adaptability prepares children for the future and encouraging them to be innovators and problem solvers. I think that we don't even know what the job market or the future looks like, but we do have some hints. One, we know that there's a movement away from employers and a movement towards being a freelancer or a contractor or whatever you want to call it, but basically working on your own, you're your own boss. And teaching children skills on how to be their own boss, I think is critical for the future. Now, I'm not saying everybody will work on their own, but probably a larger portion than we've ever seen. And if you want your child to be successful, instilling them with the skill set of how to be your own boss, I think is really critical. Um, this means knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, what to task out, how to manage your day, all, all those types of things. And I think this is where unschooling is very strong, is you are your own boss and you're doing things that are important to you. Um, I think that artificial intelligence is changing the landscape. And as far as I can tell, we need to lean into our imagination, our problem solving skills, our communication skills, um, things that make us uniquely human, our creativity, because those are going to be amplified by artificial intelligence. It's going to be infused in everything, whether you like it or not. If you try and fight it, that's fine. It's like fighting the smartphone or fighting the internet. How much are you going to be able to function in that society? Not too much. And that's fine if that's what you believe. I'm No judgment here. But... <laughs> With that being said, uh, ignoring it and acting like it doesn't exist, I think is doing our children a disservice. So teaching them to lean into their creativity, to lean into all these, uh, you know, the problem solving skills, their imagination, all these things are going to be incredibly important in the future. In addition, I also think that we need to expose our children to the current workforce so they can get an understanding of the hoops they're going to have to jump in the future to get to where they want should that job already exist today. For example, an engineer, or they want to be, uh, you know, build spaceships as an engineer. You're going to need to know a lot of math. And knowing that up front might actually motivate them to start to dive in. And if they don't like math, they might want to reconsider. I think the self-knowledge is really critical. Uh, there are people graduating with four-year <laughs> masters, you know, graduate level programs and doctorate programs that don't even like what they're doing. I can tell you that because I worked in the hospital. I work at the hospital every once in a while. And I talked to doctors who hate what they do, but they didn't know any other path. They were just told, go to school, more school, more school. Oh, you don't know what to do? Well, being a doctor is not going to hurt you. Do it. <laughs> and then they end up hating their job and their life. It's being a doctor is really for those who are committed. And if you're not committed, you're really making a huge mistake. So understanding uh, what that life looks like in the future, um, getting uh, a, 
I don't want to say apprenticeships, but like shadowing and apprenticeships too, when they're a little bit older, shadowing and getting an idea of what they need is going to prepare them for the future like crazy because it might steer them in a different direction or pull them even further towards it. Um, gosh, I feel like there's a, so much I could say in that. Uh, maybe that'll be its own episode, huh? Let's move on. <laughs> Failing to foster a love for learning. Again, this is where unschooling shines because it is all about building a love for learning, making lifelong learners, right? Diving into cur- your curiosity. And I say you're the ch- The child gets to dive into their curiosity and follow that. And I think that is a life worth living to me. I know that's where I'm happiest. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, dive into the unknown. Take blind faith steps. Uh, I don't. I don't think we get to the end of our life and regret that, unless we were being absolutely unwise, which I can see that. <laughs> but within reason, of course. And um, I, I see a lot of. This is this is mainstream. I. I Gosh, I, I just even heard uh, a teenager talking about this uh, earlier this week. We were talking about books and made a recommendation on a book that we thought was really good. And this is this is through a homeschool co-op, and I'm, I'm uh, teaching these teenagers something, okay? And we're going through some stuff and trying to understand it. They're all into it. They chose this. It was all, it's not a forced curriculum. They, they chose to dive into this topic. And we recommended a book and this teen goes, has a huge reaction. He's like 15 years old. He's like, oh gosh. And we looked over at him, over at him and said, you, you seem to have a reaction to this, like an emotional reaction. We couldn't tell if it was positive or negative at the time in the beginning. And asked him, you know, you want to share anything about that book <laughs> that you thought? <laughs> and they said, I already read it. I was in a curriculum a class last year or the year before or something, I can't remember. And I was forced to read 40 books in 40 weeks or something ridiculous like that. The book that that we recommended was one of the books he was forced to read. He said he couldn't stand it. And it's a very, 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 very well-written book. He says, I hate reading. And I'm sitting there thinking, so we wanted this kid to be well-read. So we force him to read so he's well-read. And then he never reads again after high school. That's a likely scenario. That's a good portion of at least the United States. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, what if we... Oh gosh, there's so many different ways. Unschooling is very strong in this, in that we're not going to make anyone hate anything. If you find you have a natural distaste for something, then fine, do it. Like you're not going to, or don't do it. But I can tell you learning, curiosity is natural. And reading is one of the ways to get there. You might not prefer reading. I don't prefer reading. I prefer audiobooks because I can do something while I'm listening to it. But I, I, I like leaping through uh, textbooks. I like learning from textbooks, oddly. And I'm not an avid reader, 
but I love to learn. If you, it, there are so many books available out there. Making your kid hate books, hate math, hate all this stuff by forcing them to do it, I think is just a such a, a an awful path to go down if if you really want to create a lifelong learner and someone who loves what they do and knows their self and all these things. And I'm not criticizing you guys who choose a different path. I just don't make your kids hate something. Just keep that in mind. Let me read what I wrote on this topic. Um, Viewing education as a finite period leading up to college or a job rather than a lifelong learning journey can stifle curiosity and the desire for continuous improvement. Cultivating an environment where learning is seen as joyful and an endless adventure can inspire children to become lifelong learners. Okay, to sum it up. Again, I could talk all day about that. That's kind of why I started this podcast is because of all of my experiences that made me think I hated something like math, reading, and it's, it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. I, I have a disdain for some of those things, a reaction, let's say, but that's not the truth. And I know like once I get past that, once I get past like the, the trauma that was instilled on me for forcing me to read stuff I didn't want to read, forcing me to do math and making me feel dumb for not understanding it after missing a week of school and just handing me a, a stack of worksheets to catch up. Like that's what makes me hate learning. That's what makes me hate math. That's what makes me hate reading it. I'll get off my soapbox and I'll move on. Got a lot to cover. All right. Next is, and we're, we're going to start to move into more of a global perspective, envir- environmental awareness kind of thing, because I think these are important too. Again, if we want re- well-rounded children, I think that we need to also talk about these things, also expose them to these things. Neglecting global awareness and cultural education. Homeschooling that lacks a global perspective can limit children's understanding of diverse cultures and worldviews, which are the essence, which are essential in today's interconnected world. Integrating lessons on global history, languages, and cultures can foster empathy, curiosity, and a broader understanding of the world. I think that if we don't talk about this stuff, if we don't learn about each other, we're, we're one world, then, then we're going to have a bunch of misconceptions, right? If we don't uh, understand that there's differences in cultures and have some <laughs> just understanding between each other that, hey, look, that in this culture, d- doing whatever behavior that might annoy people in my culture is is literally not an offense against anyone. It's just that's their culture. Um, this was kind of eye-opening to me when I looked beyond just the, uh, you know, people that I was exposed to on a routine basis, my, you know, my small circles when I was younger and I was kind of forced into this, um, when I, when I was a teenager and I learned that in, in some cultures, there's major emphasis put on other things that are also important and less emphasis on things that were very important in my culture. Still an emphasis on it, but that's why there's differences. 
and it's not uh, to be taken as them being rude. And that was kind of eye-opening. Now, some people are rude, okay? Some things shouldn't be done in public. Um, <laughs> but uh, trying to understand that everyone's trying to do their best and going along with life, I, I think, is probably a good way to view the world as well. Uh, understanding different uh, versions of history, I think, is going to be incredibly important. Because history is written by the victor, often. I think that understanding two sides of an argument is incredibly important. And everyone wants to kind of bend history to their advantage. For good and for bad. And uh, understanding that there are two versions and two good arguments, even if one's made up <laughs> is a valuable lesson and, and you can form your own opinion and the truth shall, will shine, I believe, but they're going to be exposed to this stuff. I mean, like what stops them from, you know, 10 years from now when they're an adult scrolling through social media and they believe the wildest conspiracy theories that you can imagine. Okay. AI is feeding them whatever, and they're just believing it. Having a more well-rounded understanding of different cultures and world history and the different versions of history that are out there, I think are important, even if they might not be uh, what I believe would be true. So I try and present it in uh, you know, history and that, that type of stuff as here's what I believe. And here's what other people believe, and here's why. And, and not presented as such a black and white issue. Moving on. Uh, failing to address sustainability and environmental concerns. Now, this one is interesting because in, the environment has become political. And you have, at least in the United States it is, you have on one side saying we're opposed to you know this environmental regulation and the other side saying no we need it at all costs and it's just so polarized the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and i know some of you are going to believe in climate change other people are not going to believe in it and that's fine we're all entitled to our own opinion let me read what i wrote Overlooking the critical importance of sustainability education can leave children unprepared for one of the most pressing issues of their generation. Incorporating sustainability projects and initiatives that promote environmental stewardship can inspire a commitment to Earth's future. I think that's very reasonable. I think, that's a, I think we can all agree that we don't want to live in a trash pit. We don't want to live in a place where we can't drink the water because it's so full of toxins or eat the food because it's so full of just crap. We don't want to walk through tr a trash pit. We have to be a good steward of this earth. We have to. Uh, we can't just ignore stuff. Now, some things are probably more pressing than others. One of the things that I'm, I don't want to say super passionate about, but one of the, my biggest concerns about this uh, planet is the use of plastics. It doesn't go away. And when it does break down, it gets into the water and it gets into the our food and we literally have plastic everywhere and we don't know what that's going to do to us. And it's incredibly hard to clean up. 
especially after it's broken down because they get microplastics. I think talking about that stuff and our use of plastic and how everything's disposable is a good thing. That's just my own opinion, and, and some of you might disagree with us. I think it's one of the most under-talked about things today. I think no one wants to address it. They found plastic in, uh, gosh, I don't want to misquote it, but it was, uh, it was passed, I believe it was passed from mother to child in the placenta, through the placenta. They found uh, microplastics in uh, heart cells. This is incredibly concerning, and we don't know what to do about it. We don't know what to do about it. So just, just some thoughts. <laughs> I know when I was growing up, one of the big things that they talked about was the environment and instilled in me like a consciousness of it. Like, do I really, like I use, I, I don't use plastic bottles because for one, I don't like to drink from plastics because I'm concerned about microplastics. Look into it if you haven't, by the way, just well, how much plastic is in a plastic bottle that you drink out of, like those disposable ones that you buy at the store. It's incredible. Uh, plus, I don't like throwing the plastic away. Uh, and at a young age, I was exposed to this environmental stuff. I remember in kindergarten learning about this and just going, oh my gosh, yeah, we need to be a good steward of the earth. And as far as, far as I can read in the Bible, we are supposed to be a good steward of this earth. So that's how I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Next, uh, community engagement and future preparation is this kind of segment. Isolating from the homeschooling community. This is another mistake I see. You miss out on support. You miss out on other, other people doing the same thing. You can learn from them. Homeschooling in isolation without connecting with local or online homeschooling communities can lead to missed opportunities for sport, resources, socialization for both children and parents. Um, engaging with these communities can provide valuable insights, shared experiences, and friendships. Uh, don't homeschool alone. It's a bad idea. You're going to go nuts. All right, so are your kids. Plus, it's good for you to see how other people are doing stuff so you can figure out what you don't want to do. <laughs> At least that's, that's one of the things that I've learned. Like I went over and I, I, you know, I go to this homeschool co-op, like I said, and I, I was meeting with other parents talking with them and I got to see them doing a whole bunch of stuff you know with the curriculum again we don't use curriculum and they're just like real rigid and like just go, going through everything and saying we're going to cover this topic this topic this topic they're doing lesson plans and all this stuff and I'm just like oh my gosh I want nothing to do with that I, I don't want to do that 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 sounds awful it reminds me of my childhood gosh um uh, yeah, and, some, and you'll learn something. You'll find someone who's uh, doing something that you really want to do. So dive in. Next mistake that I think people often make are under underutilizing community resources and experts. Relying exclusively on the parents for education without tapping in into community experts, the libraries, museums, and any other kind of resources you can think of can limit the depth and variety of learn, their learning experiences. Collaborating on the other end, collaborating with local professionals for workshops, tours, mentorships, uh, anything can enrich the homeschooling curriculum and expose children to real-world application for their studies. I think this is something that homeschoolers have the advantage on by far. Even though all the kids in school have teachers, they don't listen to them. I mean, a good percentage of them. 
they're just ignoring their teachers. They don't want to do their internship. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that because it's all pain. I want out of school. When you're homeschooling and you have these opportunities, they can go into whatever they want to do. They can take a class at the local community college when they're old enough before they're even in college, technically, at least in the United States. They, they can uh, tour different workshops. They can actually do things with that they might want to do in the future or that they even want to do right now. They can even dive into it right now. No reason not to. Uh, I know we take advantage of summer camps. We like to do that. And it's often run by teachers. I know a lot in the unschool, a lot of people in the unschooling community don't think about that too much. Um, you know, they have a curriculum, they do stuff, but we let our kids choose it and they dive in. They have a great time. It's not that curriculum's bad. It's that forced curriculums going to make them hate their life. Trust me. At least it made me hate mine. Um, so don't don't miss out on stuff around your community. Plus, listen to this. If you're in Ohio, there's something called the ACE grant. It gives $1,000 per kid per year. Uh, you have to apply for it, but if you get it, you can use this towards the kids' education stuff, and you can look up whatever uh, programs ha- already have their profile within the ACE program, and you could just... It should be pretty easy to be approved then. So we use that for our summer camps. We're using that for dance classes. We're using that for what else? I don't even remember. Anything we can think of, swim classes, uh, after-school programs, that kind of stuff. Great stuff to be able to utilize, uh, and it's a community thing, community resource and different experts. In the next segment, I want to talk about legal, financial, and educational planning and the mistakes that we can we can often mis often make or uh, theoretically could make. So ignoring legal requirements, uh, compliance here with your local regulator. I think it's probably important. Failing to understand and co- or failing to understand or comply with state or country, or let me start over. Failing to understand or comply with state or country-specific homeschooling laws and regulations can lead to legal issues and disrupt the educational process. Staying informed and adhering to legal requirements ensures that homeschooling efforts are recognized and respected. So, this is something that I'm very tempted to do because I am an unschooler and in the state of Ohio they have uh, requirements that you're supposed to fulfill as far as history, math, this, that, this, that, especially to graduate. And I actually got on this topic uh, with uh, some parents locally here at the homeschooling group because they were talking about it. And, you know, here I sit on schooling and here they are like putting tabs in textbooks and talking about how they're going to meet all the legal requirements. And I'm just like, Goodness, sounds awful. I, I have the tendency to just ignore the state, ignore whatever. I, I don't know if it's just a, a problem with authority, but I don't see any reason why the state has any business in telling me what I should be teaching my children. I understand, and I hear all of your in your heads, I hear it right now, but we have to ensure that we have a well-rounded child. Well, guess what? I'm not going to force him. I'm not going to make them hate learning to learn whatever the state is, wants to teach them. 
Now we'll talk about stuff. I make an effort to do that stuff. I make sure to try and teach them history. I make it sure to try and teach them math, to try and teach them uh, what was some of the other stuff. I can't even remember. We, we want to learn all about the world, okay? Uh, make sure you're making an effort, especially if you're not in school or to document this type of stuff, because if it ever comes back on you, you're going to want to be able to talk intelligently and show proof. Again, this is where I often make a mistake because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to comply. I'm a vigilante, <laughs> vigilante educator. Uh, but I do. I do. It's just not as structured as they probably want. That's all. Next is ignoring financial planning. Uh, really just the resources that you need in order to help your children thrive. In intentional in schooling, we're letting them lead. Okay, so it's interest-based, child-led, and then we're going to give them the support they need to be successful. So when they want to learn the violin, we can we get them in violin classes. Be prepared for that expense. Try and but you know you got to budget for it. So failing to budget for homeschooling expenses can lead to financial stress and limit access to quality resources and opportunities. This is something that's very important to me is being able to dive into whatever they're into. Proper financial planning ensures that funds are available for both curricula that they've chosen, extracurricular activities, and educational resources, maximizing the homeschooling experience. I really think this is important. One of the things that really, really hurts to remember and hear my parents say was, you were, let me back up a little bit. When I was a teenager, I really enjoyed swimming. I was, I I remember when we were, uh, we actually had in my class, swimming classes as a part of the curriculum, which I don't know if they do that anymore, but the entire class, Every whatever day had to jump in the pool and swim. And it might have been even twice a week. There was one other guy in my entire class, not like I mean like the of all the classes that how do I say that? Like class in ninety nine, you know, all the third graders or fourth graders, whatever I was. I me and this one other guy were the fastest swimmers there. And I actually ended up really enjoying swimming. I remember there was a summer that I even had my own private swimming coach. It was just this lady who probably knew all the strokes and she would go through it with me. And I also took classes at the Y at some point, a couple different Ys. And my, I was talking about this with my mom because I recently got back into swimming. It's a really good exercise, works your whole body, it's low impact good cardio, everything. Um, and I remember that I was pretty good and I remember coaches talking with me about training and stuff like that. And my mom said that when we lived in one city, I think we lived in Detroit at the time and the, uh, person teaching the classes at the Y said, we'd like to get Matthew in to train for comp- competitive swimming. We think he's really good. And my mom, this was her response. Well, are you going to pay for it? They didn't have the money. Think about knowing your child's gifts and not having the money for it. That kills me to hear. 
we came back to Northeast Ohio, which is where Cleveland is. And they heard it again. They, uh, I think it was the Y. It said the same, the, the different, completely different swimming coach, whatever teacher, said the exact same thing about me. And they said, well, you're going to pay for it. We don't have the money. It kills me to think that maybe I could have been super competitive, that this was a gift I had. And no one was able to lean into it because we just didn't have the finances to be able to do it. I mean, think about that. That's so, uh, man, there were other things too. I'll just give the one example, but I don't want my kids to have that. I want to find their gifts and I want to be able to lean in full force. They want to go to astronaut camp and they really feel like they want to be an astronaut. I'll figure out a way. That's what I'm currently doing, trying to figure out ways. So it's a big priority for me. So pay attention to your budget. Get, you know, if you're, if you're, if your finances are out of whack, do Dave Ramsey stuff. I think it's a uh, phenomenal. He's very strict, he, but that's what it takes sometimes to live like no one else. If you know what I mean, live and give like no one else. So moving into that phase. Uh, next setting unrealistic goals. You got to keep your expectations around it. That's the next mistake people make. I make this quite often. So creating unachievable academic goals or whatever kind of goals that you're making for your kids can put undue pressure for both the child and the parent leading to disappointment and stress. So setting realistic achievable goals with regular, uh, reviews can foster a sense of accomplishment and encourage continuous progress. I'm big into goal setting. Now that's weird with an unschooler, right? I have a whole episode on goals for unschooling. Kind of look off into the future, say this is where the direction we're headed. I think this is the goal I'm going to create in order for us to get there. And we just start moving forward. And then of course, correct, course, correct. Can't say it. Course, correct along the way. I think it's very important. Uh, if you don't know where you're going, don't complain about where you ended up, right? So stay on track. Um, I, I took the, I took a lot of different things, but one of the things that helped me most was probably one of Tony Robbins programs. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the one where you create, uh, basically a vision for your future and you move, you learn the process on how to take steps towards that. So if you haven't looked into that stuff, I think it's pretty good. Uh, next mistake is failure to adapt teaching methods because one size does not fit all. And for those of you who don't know that, please hear me. I know I'm, I like to think that there things are black and white. There's one, the right way and the wrong way. Guess what? Some people are different than you. <laughs> Sticking to one teaching method without considering the child's learning style can lead to disengagement and frustration. So experiment with various teaching strategies, and that can uncover what best motivates and engages your child, enhancing their learning experience. Maybe their audio, audio, uh, how do you say it? They learn by hearing, they learn by seeing, they learn by doing, right? All these, uh, there's all these fancy words for uh, the different ways to learn. You can look them up. But if your kid's not getting it, then maybe textbook learning isn't the way they learn. Maybe they learn by doing, right? So start to pay attention to that and then lean in. Now, it's good to learn all the ways to learn. And of course, we're going to try and focus on making that happen. 
we're an intentional and a schooler. We're going to give them support in all the ways we can, right? Including giving them direction and preparing them for the future as best we can. But uh, we're not going to do it at the expense of making them hate whatever it is. Because even if you force them, guess what? <laughs> they're going to run away from it the minute you stop forcing them. And they're going to hate it even more. And they're going to fight it out the whole way. <laughs> and they're never going to, like, there's going to be this trauma associated with it. And it's going to make them cringe. And, you know, oh my gosh, I have to do math. Oh my gosh, I have to read a book. Oh, come on. Don't do that, guys. So with that, I'm going to stop here. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a three-part series. I got 11 more points I want to cover before we're done with this series. So it's at least one more episode. Uh, I seem to get a lot of uh, downloads on these topics that are really, really broad about unschooling. So if that's something you're interested in, um, and you want to engage a little bit more with me about hop into the Facebook group. It's Unschooled Unleashed, Unlock Your Child's Genius Facebook group. You can Google it and find it, I'm sure, or just look it up on Facebook. We're on all the social media. I'm really not that active except for uh, posting some episodes. Maybe that'll change in the future, but I'm out there, and you can message me, I suppose. But really, the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is going to be... Uh, through Facebook, or uh, you can email me at unschooledunleashed at gmail.com. I'm here to help you. Um, yeah, that's why I do this. So love hearing from you. Stay in touch. And with that, stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. I'll catch you in the next episode. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.